Oh, good morning, church. Good morning. What a great morning to be together. And let's love the worship. Just love being in the presence of God together this morning. Last week, we began a brand new series called Life After Life. We're talking about the truth of heaven. And I'm so excited about this series. Somebody came up to me uh, last week and they said, you know, I've been in church all my life and I've never heard a sermon on heaven. And I said, well, you're lucky. You get three more. So, you know, like we're going to talk about it a lot. But it is funny how we'll spend all this time preparing for like a week's vacation when eternity lasts a lot longer. And we don't ever take the time to study and say, well, what's it going to be like? And how do I get ready for it? And so in this series, that's what we're talking about. You know, every civilization has had some belief about the afterlife. When you go back to the Egyptians and the Vikings and the Romans and the Greeks and the Jews and every world religion. But God wants us to know. And so God wrote it down and said, hey guys, I want you to understand what it's going to be like. And so my prayer for all of us in this series has been this. I pray that God would well up inside of us a joy about heaven. Because there's so many misconceptions out there, right? Like we're going to be bored, you know, and we don't have anything to do. We're going to float around. You're like, come on, you know. And when we realize what heaven's going to be like, it ought to well up inside of us. And whenever our day comes, and I hope and pray it's a long time from now for all of us. But, but whenever that day is, that there is no fear in death. And it's just a passageway from life to life, right? Life after life. My prayer is also this, that you and I, we would be uh, renewed to check in our own hearts and our own lives and see where we are spiritually. And so we're not just drifting for life, but it would be a wake-up call for us. Where are we with the Lord? My prayer is also that we would be bold and share in our faith and telling others about Jesus because Jesus is going to last for eternity. We all get caught up in this. My prayer is that we would hold on to the things of this world loosely and hold on to God tightly. And as we realize what it is to come, that we would just reorder our lives around him. And then my prayer is this, that we would live with a confidence. We would live with a confidence knowing that our eternity is secure. That God's got this under control. That our God is sovereign over all that there is. And so last week we started this series and we said that heaven is a place right? We're not just disembodied spirits floating around out there. We don't go to purgatory and hang out for a while. That we actually go to heaven when we die and we'll awake and go to a place. We said that heaven is also the dwelling place of God. I mean, how awesome is that? So when you think about that being the dwelling place of God, heaven, then it's everything God is. And God is love. God is light. God is life. God is joy. Oh, I love that. That our God is joy, you know. God is peace. So that is what heaven is. And we said last week that heaven is only accessible through the door of Jesus Christ. That it's not by us doing good works and enough good things. Maybe our good way are bad. It's us surrendering our lives and understanding that Christ paid the price for us. It's through Christ and through Christ alone. It is by grace you are saved, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? And not by works, lest no man should boast. It's by Christ. And so we're talking about that in this series and just understanding the depth and the richness of God's love and his grace for us. Now, whenever we die, and I pray, like I said, it'll be a while from now, but we will all awake and there will be a judgment. And God will say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And it won't be like, well, it was my parents' faith or my church's faith or my country's faith. It, what about you? But the second question I'll ask is this, what did you do with what you were given? Did you just use it for yourself or did you use it to build my kingdom? Did you make the most of this time that you have on this earth? So that's what we're going to talk about today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you open with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Uh, Revelation is 
end of the book. It's awesome because we know God wins. We know the end of the story. So if you want to kind of fast forward right there, pretty amazing. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some free Bibles for you in the back. Just take it. It's yours. Put your name in it. Uh, also, if you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures on version, and we'll put them up on the screen. But last week we said this, that revelation in Latin means revelatio, which means to draw back the curtain. To draw back the curtain. So God gives this revelation to the Apostle John. John, who was a disciple with Jesus for three years. He was with Jesus at the cross. He was with Jesus when Jesus was resurrected. He saw his nail-scarred hands for us. John, who was there when Jesus was ascending into heaven. And John, who becomes a leader in the early church. John, who writes the Gospel of John, First and Second and Third John. John is now in exile on the island of Patmos because of his faith in Jesus. And God pulls back the curtain and says, John, look at this. I want you to see what heaven's going to be like. And John, I want you to write it down. And people who study this will be blessed. And so this is a revelation from God. And so when you get to chapter 4, John looks into the throne room of heaven and he sees God seated on the throne. And then we come to chapter 5. It says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? But no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Now those are messianic sayings. They all go back to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies about the first coming of the Messiah. And every one of those prophecies is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. So we see these titles for Jesus. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, right? And he has triumphed. And he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb. Now notice lamb is capitalized right there, right? 29 times in the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the lamb. Now go back with me. Remember when Jesus started his earthly ministry? And he's going, he's going to be baptized by John the Baptist. And he's walking up and John the Baptist looks and says, what? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if you go back in the Old Testament, there was the sacrificial system, right? When you sinned, there had to be a sacrifice. And so you would bring a lamb. So like if we were still under that, every one of us today would have a lamb, an unblemished lamb. We would offer it on the altar as an atonement for our sins. But Jesus comes as the sacrificial lamb. And Jesus dies once and for all for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. Praise God. And 29 times he's called the lamb. Then I saw a lamb looking as if he had been slain, right? Standing in the center of the throne. The centrality of Christ, the supremacy of Christ and Christ alone. Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns. Horns represented the anointing. Back then they would anoint kings and that was a, a horn. So the seven horns and seven eyes. Seven is this number of completion, perfection. Which are the seven spirits of God sent over into all the earth. 
And he came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Now the 24 elders, if you remember, this represents the completed church. And Jesus loves the church. The church is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And the 24 elders, 12 of the tribes, right? If you go back into the Old Testament, 12 12 tribes of Israel, New Testament, you have the 12 disciples. So 24 Old Testament, New Testament, then the four living creatures. So you've got the church and all of creation worshiping the lamb. And each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now stop right there because this is pretty powerful. See, every prayer you pray, God hears. Sometimes we pray and we think, God, did you hear that? You know, God, God, did you get that? You haven't answered yet. God, where are you? And God's going, no, 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 I got this. I got this. Those prayers are the incense in heaven. Those prayers are before me and I will answer those in my timing. You hold on. The prayers are the same. Your prayers matter. Our prayers for healing, our prayers for justice, our prayers matter. And they're the prayers of the saints. And they sing a new song. You you know in heaven, uh, there won't be preachers. There won't be pastors, right? Because everybody's a believer, right? Everybody's up there. There'll be times to encourage, but I'm not going to have anything to do. But you know what there is going to be? is people in worship, in music. And so all of you have musical talent. You're just going to love heaven. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. I love to sing, so I'm pretty pumped about that. I'm not very good. But anyway, maybe I'll be better by then. But And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God. You know what, guys? That's the gospel. I mean, that's just the gospel in a nutshell right there. They're all singing it. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God. You are the atoning sacrifice. You paid the price that we deserve to pay. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Now, just kind of stock that away in your mind right there. They will reign on the earth. Because in the coming weeks, we're going to find out that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. God will redeem and restore this. And so just think about that. You'll see that throughout Revelation. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. Amen means I agree. Like when we say amen at the end of a prayer, I agree. And the elders fell down and worshiped. I mean, now how awesome is that? I mean, this is just see Christ in the center being worshiped. Now, as you go on from chapter 5 into chapter 6, Jesus then begins to open the scroll. And he peels back the seals. 
And, and what that means is the coming of the last days. And so Revelation 6 through Revelation 18 all talks about the end times. And it talks about what's going to happen in those last days. And the first seal is open and there's a, a rider on a horse and it's a time of peace. But the next seal is a time of war. The third seal, a time of judgment. The fourth seal, a time of death. There will be a time when God will step back in and say, Enough! Enough pain, enough suffering, and Christ will return. And Jesus says, I want you to be ready. I want you to know that it's coming. And so when you go through and you begin to study, you see this. Jesus even talks about this in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus gives us the signs of the end of the age. And Jesus says, hey guys, when you see wars and rumors of war and, and nation rising up against other nations and you see natural disasters and you start to think, huh, right? Wow. And it kind of sounds like today. And people say, well, are we living in the last days? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but I know we're closer than ever before, okay? I mean, I know it's coming, right? And you can see it. And it's unfolding before our eyes. And so Revelation 6 through 18 is these scrolls are being opened. And you'll see things like, you know, the Antichrist who will rise up. You'll see things like Armageddon that's going to come. But it's all preparing us for those last days and for Christ's return. Here's some things I want you to get. Number one is this. This world is temporary. Okay, if you're taking notes today, this world is temporary. The last days are going to be called the days of tribulation. And there will be seven years where things get really hard and really difficult. And there are people who will say, well, you know, Christians may not go through that. You, you know, you got premillennialism and postmillennialism, millennialism, eschatology, the study of end times. But people will talk about pre-tribulation, like all the believers will be raptured, you know, before the tribulation comes. Or there's mid-tribulation, you know, about halfway through. Or there's post-tribulation at the end of the tribulation. Then the thousand-year reign of Christ, the millennial, will happen. I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I know this. That as believers, there will be some part of the tribulation that we will face. Why? Be because how else will people know about Jesus, Right? How else will people hear the good news that, hey, the end of the story is coming. It's going to get tough. It's going to get hard. But God's got this. He is sovereign. He's in control. And he told us how it was going to end. So hang on to him and trust him. Maybe in your life, you're going through some tough times. Listen, don't give up. You held on. You hang in there. Because the best is still to come for you. Here's what John tells us. So John, the apostle John, also wrote, First and second, third John. But he says in first John, he says, hey guys, in this time of waiting, in these last days, do not love the world or anything in the world. Right? Now the world stands for the system of the world. It's different than the earth. The earth will be renewed. But the world is the system. It's the Satan keeping us distracted from the things of God. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now notice that, right? The world is different from the earth, okay? The world is different from the earth. The earth will be renewed. If you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, God created the heavens and the earth, 
right? So God's going to redeem that. It was good. God said, this is good. This is good. But the world is the system. The world is us falling in love with the things here and missing out on the things of God. And what is the world defined by there in 1 John? It says the cravings of sinful man. What is that? It's greed, right? I got to have more. I got to have more. I got to have more. I've never met anybody who comes up and they say, you know what? I got enough. I got enough money. I got enough stuff. I'm, I'm really good. I've got enough. No, why? Because we, we kind of fall into this trap. And we're always like, I want more. I want more. I want more. I got to have the latest gadget. I got to have this gizmo. I got to have this. I got to have bigger this, bigger that. We fall in love with that. But it's also this. It says the lust of his eyes. Now, lust, I don't have to kind of explain that, do I? But, but lust means this, it means I must have it now. I must have it now. And that's the difference between love and lust. Love is what can I do for the other person? How can I encourage them? How can I build them up? Lust is what can they do for me? How can they make me feel? How can they meet my needs? You see that? And then the third one is this, the boasting of what he has and does. It's a worldly system. What is that? Pride right? Pride is the mother of all sins. Pride means it's all about me. You know, we kick Christ off the throne and we say, no, no, no. Everything revolves around me. And Revelation would say, no, no, no. It all revolves around Jesus. It's all about him. And it's so easy for us to fall in love with the world and to forget about the things that really last and really matter. Let me give you an illustration. Um, if you decide, hey, I really want to spend some time with God. I want to go camping. I really connect with God in nature. And so I'm going to go on this camping trip. And maybe you take some friends. Or maybe you, you know, take your family. And you're like, I've got to get alone with God. I want to read God's word. I want to be out. I just want to see the beauty of creation. I want to be with him. So you load it all up. And you, you kind of head out to go camping. And you find the perfect spot. I mean, it is just beautiful. And there's a river there. There's a waterfall. I mean, the mountains, like the smoky mountains. I mean, it's just stunning. And you're like, oh, this is going to be great. And you, you get out your tent and you start to set up your tent. And you put your tent up. And then you go, hmm, I'm going to be here a whole week, right? I, I don't want to sleep on the ground for a whole week. You know, that's, that's going to be rough. And so you pull out your phone, you get on Amazon, and you're like, okay, let me see if I can upgrade that, right? And so you find a cot, and then the cot has a pillow top. So you're like, order it, right? And so you order that, and the drones come, and they bring your cot, you know? And so you're like, boom, and you put that in, and you're like, yeah, uh, that's, that's good, that's good. But I can't be away from my shows for a whole week. I mean, like, I'm going to miss out. I'll be so behind. And so you hit Amazon again, and you order your 70-inch TV, and boom, the drones come, and they bring it, and they get your 70-inch TV, and then you're thinking, it won't fit in my tent. Got to upgrade my tent, right? So then you get back on. You're upgrading your tent. You know, finally get your tent upgraded, and it's taking a while, but, man, you get that upgraded, and you get your TV back, and then you're like, oh, you know what? If I did get in that river, it might be cold. I need a hot tub. You know, so you get a hot tub delivered. You got there. You got your hot tub, and now you're glamping, right? You're way past camping. You're glamping then. I mean, it's just sweet, and then you're thinking, hey, I can't really cook out here because, you know, you know putting two sticks together and making a fire, that's not going to work for me. I need a grill. I need a bigger grill. I need really nice countertop of my grill. You know, and next thing you know, you got this whole thing decked out. And then you realize, my week's up. It's time to go home. And that stuff ain't fitting in my Chevy. 
and you leave. And you never spent time with the Lord and you never spent time here and we missed it. And so often that's how we live, right? And we have to ask ourselves, are we investing in the things of this world, the things that aren't going to last? Are we investing in the things that will? And here's the second point. It's this, that what you do now impacts eternity. The way you and I live for the 70, 80, 90, 100 years on this earth impacts eternity. Let me show you this. This is a, such a powerful scripture. This is from Jesus himself. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I mean, think about that. This is Jesus talking and he's saying, you guys store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Pretty powerful, isn't it? And you start to think about that and go, okay, wait a minute. Am I storing up treasures here, or am I sending it forward? <laughs> am I storing up treasures there? All of us, I mean, we've been heartbroken watching these hurricanes and watching the flooding in Houston and, and Florida. And church, I just want to thank you for your generosity. I mean, so many of you have been giving diapers and praying and, and we'll have teams that are going to be going and we're all responding. It, it's been amazing to me to watch first responders. I, I'm so thankful for the first responders. And I've been watching, you know, these specials on CNN and all these stories that have happened. And, and you just see people stepping into the storm and going in and rescuing people and going in. And these stories are inspiring. And, and you, you know what I, what I love about that is because we're all made in the image of God. And so inside of us, we intuitively know what matters. And we realize that people are more important than possessions or things. And so people are just helping people. And nobody's worried about, you know, where people are socioeconomically. Nobody's worried about race or nationality or gender. People just help. You know, you're in need. I'm going to help. And you know why that is? Is because we understand that there's only a few things that are eternal. In fact, there's only three things that are eternal. Number one is God. God is eternal. And so when you spend time with the Lord, when you pray, when you grow in your faith, when you focus on Him, when you worship, you're investing in what's eternal. The second thing that is eternal is this, God's Word. God's Word is eternal. Do you know this book is the bestseller every single year? The bestselling book, why? Because God works through his word. He transforms our hearts. God's word is alive and it's active and it's eternal. The third thing that's eternal are people. People are eternal. Right? And so when you are with your kids or you're praying with them or you're praying with your neighbors or you're encouraging in your marriage or you're praying for your coworkers, you're investing in their lives, you're investing things that are eternal. And what we do here will impact Eternity. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. We've seen a lot of things destroyed, but those things here, but, but what we have is eternal. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. 
so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, when you accept Christ, as God draws you to himself, God places the Holy Spirit within you, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So the Holy Spirit in you is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come, your reward in heaven. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Verse 9, get this. So we make it our goal to please Him. What's the goal of your life? What is the goal of your life? For some people, they would say the goal of their life is to retire, right? I want to get to those golden years. Man, that's my goal. Or, or my goal is to have a certain amount in my bank account, my 401k, and then watch the stock market every day. Man, if I can just get to this amount, that's my goal. Or, or my goal is that my kids get into a prestigious college. Or my goal is, or my goal, but, but what is your goal? We all have goals. And those motivate us every day. Those get us up. Those drive us. And here's the Apostle Paul would say, hey, so we make it our goal to please him. And that's my goal as a believer, as a follower of Christ, to please God, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. See, we're not all perfect. None of us are. And we're all going to make mistakes. And we're all going to get our focus off at different times in our life. But are we striving to know God? Are we investing what God has entrusted to us in the things of God? You see, you will please God as you invest in things of God. That we live a life that pleases God. That's how we send it forward. That's how we invest in eternity. Right? We invest and we live a life that pleases God. And so we all have to stop at our daily struggles and just say, wait a minute, what is the goal of my life? What am I living for? What are my ambitions? What are my dreams? What are my goals? It, Jesus, you remember in Matthew 24, he, he told us, right, here's some signs of the end of the age. Here's some signs before I return the second time. And I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. Well, Jesus, every time, right, he, he tells us some things. He would always give a story. Jesus, the master storyteller. I mean, incredible. And, and the power of story so that you and I, when we're hearing the story, and then all of a sudden we go, oh, wait, that's me, you know? Or, hey, there's this divine revelation that God wants for me. Well, after Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story. And he says, guys, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Now, think about this. Christ, who was here, ascends into heaven. He's coming back, right? Here's somebody going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. If you're a follower of Jesus, what are we? We're servants of Christ, right? So we are servants. We're his servants. Well, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Now, if you underline in your Bible or you circle in your Bible, underline or circle this each according to his ability. Because I think a lot of times what happens is we go, well, you know what, I would serve God if I had their kind of talent or if I had their kind of resources or if I had, if I had this or if I was more of an extrovert or if I was more, no, no, no. God has entrusted you with what God's entrusted you with, right? And it's according to your ability. 
And some have five, some have two, some have one, but it's according to our ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once, if you underline, underline at once. He didn't make excuses. He didn't send around a debate. He didn't try to figure it out. He just went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who had two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant, exclamation point. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, this is so powerful. Think about this. Think about this with the end times and perspective. When Jesus comes back and we stand before him one day and we hear him say, well done, my good and faithful. He doesn't say my perfect because none of us are. We make mistakes. But when we invest in the things of God, when we want to further his kingdom, when we serve in his church, when we pray, when we go, when, when we make a difference and we give, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then notice this phrase because I think this is so powerful. He says, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Do you realize that in heaven, we will have jobs to do? You remember work was given before the fall. Genesis 1 and 2, God created man, Adam and Eve. And he said, hey guys, I want you to take care of the garden. I want you to name the animals. I'm giving you jobs to do. It wasn't until Genesis 3 that work becomes toilsome. In Genesis 3, when man sins, all of a sudden work becomes hard. But inside of all of us, there's passions. There's desire. Some people, man, you, you love to cook. Some people love to build things. Some people love, you know, to teach. Some people, all these kind of things. And he goes, when you're faithful here in the little things, I'll put you in charge of more. And in heaven, we're going to be able to serve in our passions without sin, without worrying about what everybody else thinks. Right? We'll be able to do the things that God created us to do fully, being fully alive. And then he says, come share your master's happiness. I love that. Heaven is a happy place. Heaven is a place of joy. Well, the man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And his master again replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid. You know, I think fear keeps more people from following God than anything else. Fear keeps more people from doing what God wants them to do than anything else. I was afraid. God, you told me to be baptized. <laughs> and I was afraid. God, you told me to, to pray with my spouse or to pray with my kids. And God, I was afraid. You told me to give and, and I was afraid. You told me to go. I was afraid. God, I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid. So, so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Exclamation point. He's like, come on. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 
Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, God wants us to understand Hey, I've entrusted this to you. Use it to further my kingdom. Use it for my name and my glory. Number three is this. That we're called to live each day with heaven in mind. We're called to live each day of our life with heaven in mind. C.S. Lewis, I love C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis writes in Mere Christianity, If I find in myself desires for which nothing in this world can satisfy, then the only possible explanation is that I was made for another world. Isn't that so true? You and I, when we understand, hey, wait a minute, this world is not my home. I was made for another world. And when we begin to live that way, it changes everything. You know how most people live for the dash? You know what I'm talking about? Right? I mean, most people, I mean, they're living for this. You know the dash? Right? Every tombstone has a dash. There'll be a date on one side and a date on the other. And there's a dash in the middle. And most people, I mean, this is the way we live our life, right? If I can get more possessions, if I can get higher in my job, if I stay overtime, if I can do... But all of this is here. And yet, God says, no, I want you to live for what is to come. And what is to come is eternity. And if I could just keep going around the room, like I would just keep going all the way around and drawing this line, because eternity, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And this is what God says, hey, are you living your life for the dash or for eternity? Are you living your life for here or for what's really going to last? Now, our little dash, right, it's going to be up here somewhere. And we can figure out, hey, I'm going to live here or I'm going to play a part in a bigger story that's being written. And the people who've really made a difference in this world are the people who've lived here. And that's why Jesus said, hey, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're in the world, but there is another world to come that is going to be incredible. And it's going to blow you away. Helen Keller, I mean, I, I love Helen Keller because here's this woman, she was born deaf and blind. And she could have lived her life for this. And she could have been miserable, but no, God came and, and drew her heart to him. And she had this faith that bubbled up within her. And she impacted the world, deaf and blind. And here's what Helen Keller wrote. She said, for three things I thank God every day of my life. Thinks that he has kept me safe in the knowledge of his grace. Deep thinks that he has set in my darkness the lamp of faith. And deep, deepest thinks that I have another life to look forward to. A life joyous with light and flowers and heavenly song. You know, it just makes life different when you have something to look forward to, right? I mean, if you're looking forward to a party or you're looking forward to an anniversary or you're looking forward to a, you know, a vacation, you're so excited about that. But for us, we're looking forward to this, that we will be with Christ forever. We will be redeemed and restored and made new. 
And that's why Paul writes there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, hey, therefore, we do not lose heart. Yes, we're going to go through hard times. Yes, we're going to go through challenges. Yes, we're going to go through difficulties. And maybe you are today. And I would say to you, don't lose heart. Oh, don't lose heart. God is with you. God is for you. Though outwardly we are wasting away, man, our bodies are getting run down more every day. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. There is a lamp inside of us. There is faith inside of us. There is a renewal that's happening inside of our soul and our spirit. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And God would say, you hold on to me. You hold on to me. See, as a Christ follower, when we die, we immediately go to the present heaven. We immediately go. We don't have to spend time in purgatory. We don't have to spend time away from God. We're immediately in the presence of God. If we are still alive, if Jesus comes back tomorrow or he comes back next week or he comes back in a few years and we're all still alive, hey, we will immediately go to be with him. We will rise up and be with Christ. Ultimately, though, we will all come back here. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that, how God's getting it ready. In heaven, I'm going to tell you this, it's going to be far more than we could ever dream or ever imagine. It is the dwelling place of God. It is everything that is good. And what we do here impacts what happens there. So Romans 8 tells us, what shall separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord? Shall death? No. Life? No. Come on. Angels or demons or principalities, nothing shall separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you are in Christ, your eternity is secure. And you can live your life with confidence, knowing that God's got this. He's sovereign. So where are you today? Spiritually, where, where are you? Not your parents' faith, not your church's faith, not your country's faith, your faith. What do you believe? Maybe today is a day just to put a stake in the ground and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. God, you've been drawing me to yourself. You brought me here today. It's, it wasn't just a friend that I, I, I'm here for a reason. And God, you're speaking to me. And maybe for some, we go, you know what? I've been living for this <laughs> instead of living for this. And God, today, would you just lift my head and let me see you. Let me fix my eyes on the one who, who loves me unconditionally. And knowing that I am fully loved and fully accepted, that I am forever yours. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Right where you sit. Right where you are. Just you and God, just for a minute. What's God saying to you today? Will you be honest? Maybe today you want to say, God, I'm yours. <laughs> Holy and completely. Maybe today you go, God, you know, I've kind of gotten distracted with the things of this world. I feel like I'm glamping, God. I'm just more and more stuff and things instead of fixing my eyes on you and being with you and pouring into the things that really matter. 
Or maybe today, like Helen Keller, you just want to say, thank you, God. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that, God, you're for me. Even when times are hard and times are challenging, God, my eternity is secure. And you love me even more than I love myself, oh God. And so, Father, here we are, your servants today. And God, none of us are perfect. And thank you that, God, you sent your son who was perfect, who died for our sins. And Father, you made a way for us to have eternity with you. And so today, Lord, we just, we say with everything in us that Christ is the desire of our hearts. That we want him to take center stage of our lives. That our goal is to please you. And forgive us when we get distracted. But God, draw us close to you today. Wrap your arms around us, God, when times get hard. And let us know that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And God, help us to know that the best is still to come. (laughs) That the best is still to come. Thank you, Father, for grace and mercy and love. And thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. After the service, you guys, I'll be here There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. Whatever's going on in your life, listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a God who is with you and a God who is for you. And there's a church that wants to walk with you. Everybody got a worship guide when you came in this morning. And and inside this is, is kind of a communication card. And there's a place for prayer requests on the back. And so if there's something we could pray with you or pray for you as a staff, we pray every Monday morning through all the prayer requests. But also on the front of this card, there's a place to mark and say, hey, my next step, my next step is accepting Christ or being baptized or counseling or joining the church or all kinds of ways. I don't know what God's saying to you, but don't let fear hold you back. You go forward in Christ and you reorder your life and I'm gonna reorder my life in light of who he is and what he's done. Let's trust him because the best is yet to come. At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward and it's a chance for us to give back to God. A chance for us to invest in his kingdom and for his glory. If you have a prayer request, drop that in the basket. If you're a first-time guest, I just encourage you to fill this card out and we can follow up with you and tell you what God's doing here in such an incredible way to get involved and to serve. So Father, thank you. Thanks for a chance to give back to you. Take what is given today, Father, and bless it, multiply it, and use it, Father, to further your kingdom, to further your church in our day and our generation. God, we love you, and we thank you that the best is still to come. Amen. Amen.